Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another group of episodes of the Jack Benny Show and the Phil Harris Show. I thought I'd come on tonight to just mention that I've already talked about the Jimmy Stewart um, appearance on Jack's show from 1952. We actually aired it on Tuesday. It's 2017 this year, by the way. And so we aired it on Tuesday just so you got a chance to hear that and a bunch of uh, other Western motifs and Jimmy Stewart motifs with Jack Benny. But I this is the night it's supposed to normally be on, so I'm airing it again. So if you didn't hear it that time, you can listen to it this time. If not, you can fast forward. But the other thing is that's huge is our 1942 episode of the Jack Benny Show from 10 years earlier. The copy I had was just bad. It it it, it sounded like the cast was yelling the whole time because the I don't know if you know what brick walled is, but when a file is brick walled, it means the loud and quiet passages end up being the same volume. So instead of a nice up and down motion like a, a wave, it just looks like a, a well, like a brick wall, and uh, it, it was in bad shape. But the copy I found that I replaced it with from our friends at the Cobalt Club had its own issues. It got quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter as the show went on. So I took and went through that and fixed the volume as much as I could, and I think it sounds much, much better now. So uh, I think you'll find the 1942 episode featuring Ann Sheridan, who starred with Jack in George Washington Slept Here, uh, is going to be a much more enjoyable listen than it's ever been before. So I hope you really like that one. And then in between the two is, of course... um, the Phil Harris Show, and on the Phil Harris Show, Phil is told he has to fire his band. So let's see what happens to Phil and his band. So I think you're going to have three really enjoyable episodes, and I uh, hope you like all three of them. Without further ado, here I am from probably five years ago, I think, to introduce um, the Jimmy Stewart appearance on the Jack Benny Show, featuring Jack as Buck Benny for the last time. Enjoy. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1951-52 season. This is an episode I've been waiting to bring you for a long time. This episode has as its guest star Jimmy Stewart, who is one of my all-time favorite actors along with Jack. Uh, Jimmy Stewart only appears with Jack Benny twice in the entire run of the Jack Benny show, for radio anyway. And they both those episodes are, in my opinion, uh, at least for me and my personal enjoyment, in probably the top five of all-time Jack Benny episodes. They're both very different from each other, which I love. Uh, This one, you get a chance uh, for um, Jimmy to be part of the Western skit, and uh, that they have on this episode. And as a bonus, you get to see the final appearance in radio, or hear the final appearance of radio, I guess, of uh, Jack's character, Buck Benny. So we get a chance to see uh, two famous Western actors meet each other, Buck Benny and Jimmy Stewart. Um, 
It's just a great episode. Uh, Jimmy Stewart appears also in at least four of the television episodes of the Jack Benny Show. And luckily, almost, I think all of those are in a syndication package that they have out there, which is really nice. And uh, the only unfortunate thing about those appearances, they're all great, they're all fun to watch, but most of them are based on the radio shows in which the Colemans appeared. But unfortunately, Ronald Coleman dies in 1958, I believe, and so... Uh, when they're bringing them over, they couldn't use Ronald Coleman, so they uh, instead used Jimmy Stewart in those roles. And Jimmy does a great job uh, with it. Um, certainly, it's interesting to hear the Ronald Coleman versions and then watch the Jimmy Stewart versions of those episodes. Um, and I enjoy them both for different reasons. Anyway, tonight's episode, you also get a chance to hear Jack and... Jimmy Stewart sing a song together, which is wonderful, and uh, I, I enjoy that song more than just about any other song I can think of on the Jack Benny Show. So you are you are in for a real treat tonight. Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode, and we will see you all uh, next time. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed, presented by Lucky Strike. Do you do that? Do that? Do that? Do you do that? Do that? Be happy, go lucky. Be happy, get better taste. Be happy, go lucky. Get better taste today. Friends, tear and compare. See for yourself that Luckies are made better to taste better. From a newly opened pack, take a cigarette made by any other manufacturer. Carefully tear a thin strip of paper straight down the seam from end to end, and gently remove the tobacco. In tearing, be sure not to loosen or dig into the tobacco. Now, do exactly the same with a lucky strike. Then compare. Some cigarettes are too loosely packed. Some even fall apart. But look at that lucky. See how it stays together. A perfect cylinder of fine, mild tobacco. So round and firm and fully packed. So free and easy on the draw. Now, what does this mean to you as a smoker? It means your Lucky is free of excessive air spaces, hot spots that burn harsh and dry, and those annoying loose ends that spoil the taste. And because your Lucky has long strands of fresh, clean, good-tasting tobacco, it burns evenly, smokes smooth and mild. Yes, tear and compare. Prove to yourself that Luckies are made better to taste better. Then make your next carton Lucky Strike. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, the Sports from Quartet, and yours truly, Don Wilson. and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to bring you the star of our show, a man who... Wait a minute, wait a minute, hold it. Don, who's this guy? What's going on here? Jack, I'm sorry, but when I read the introduction you wanted me to give you, I just had to go out and hire someone else to do it. You hired this fella? Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me a great pleasure to bring you the star of our show. Wait a minute, wait a minute, fella, wait a minute. 
Don, you're the announcer on this show, and you've got to introduce me any way I want you to. Well, Jack, this time I'm not going to do it. I've got pride, you know. Pride? Ladies and gentlemen, I guess we Oh, shut up! <laughs> Don, what is this what is this pride you're talking about? I'll tell you what it is. Just because you played a violin duet with Isaac Stern on last week's television show, I'm not going to introduce you as a great concert violinist. You're not. Ladies and gentlemen, it Hold it, will you, Cleet? Hold it a minute. Hold it. Phil. Great concert violinist. Dad, you sound like somebody's been spiking your rosin. <laughs> Well, you're a fine one to talk. What do you know about music? Okay, Jackson, okay. I will admit that personally, I may not be the world's greatest musician, but I was smart enough to get together one of the finest musical aggregations in the world. Oh, you were, eh? <laughs> Bill, if your band is one of the finest musical aggregations in the world, I'd like to ask you a question about Don Rice, your bass player. Nobody slaps a bass like Don. That's what I'm getting at. Why is it he always sticks his hand in a bucket of water before he slaps the bass? Force of habit. What? Used to work in the brewery slapping labels on beer bottles. <laughs> All right, Phil. I'll accept your explanation of Mr. Rice's musical eccentricities. But what about Bagby, your piano player? What about good old Bag? Well, Phil, I won't... I won't say anything about the fact that he's on parole. We'll forget that. But he can't read music He doesn't know the white keys from the black keys And I never saw such a crazy-looking piano What's that extra pedal for? That was Bagby's idea Four pedals on a piano? What are they? Soft, medium, loud, and gas <laughs> Gas pedal? Never knows when he'll have to make a getaway Oh, then that answers my other question. I was going to ask why the piano has white sidewall tires. <laughs> Old Bagby thinks of everything. Well, it's too bad he doesn't think a little more about music. What? Phil, you know as well as I do, not only does Bagby play by ear, but if it isn't in the key of C, he can't play at all. Oh, he can't, eh? No. Okay, Jackson, you asked for it. Hey, Charlie. Yeah? Come here a minute. Phil, you don't have to go through all of Look, this. Look, you said that all he knows is the key is C. Now, let's find out. Go ahead, ask him anything, anything at all. Okay. How about something with three sharps? Go ahead, Charlie. Give him something with three sharps. Well. <laughs> Think hard, Charles. Oh, I know. The Andati movement from the Barber of Seville by Gillette. <laughs> Wait a minute. The Andante movement from the Barber of Seville by Gillette. Three sharps, look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. <laughs> Phil. Phil, you can tell that corny Bagby to go now, will you? Yeah, okay, you better leave town. <laughs> How do you like that? He drove the piano right out of the studio. I don't know why I get into these things. All I wanted was a classy introduction. Ladies and gentlemen... Not from you! <laughs> I want the introduction from the one who's supposed... Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. What are you mad about? I'm not mad. Just that I asked Don to do something. When he refused, it hurt my feelings. Don Wilson, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. 
After all Jack has done for you. In fact, we should be grateful for what he's done for all of us. And when Jack requests any of us to do something, we should make every effort to comply with his wishes. Thanks, Mary. I guess you're right, Mary. Okay, Jack, I'll do it. I'll introduce you as a great concert violinist. Ladies and gentlemen... Wait a minute. <laughs> Mary... Jack, is that what you asked Don to do? Introduce you as a great concert violinist? Yes, that's all. That's all? He ought to slap your face. <laughs> Mary, I thought you were on my side. Whatever gave you the idea that you're a great concert violinist? Because on my television show, I played a violin duet with Isaac Stern. That's why. And he wants me to call him Yasha Benny. <laughs> <laughs> What are you laughing at, Mary? <laughs> Last year he killed a grasshopper, and for two weeks I had to call him Frank Buck. <laughs> I didn't kill that grasshopper. I brought him back alive. <laughs> so don't be so smart. And anyway, I don't know why Don had to go out and hire someone. Oh, to... hello, Mr. Benny. Oh, hello, Dennis. I'm glad you're here. It's about time for... Dennis. Dennis, you're limping. Yeah, but I didn't get hurt bad. Hurt? Dennis, you have an accident? Yeah, as I was crossing Sunset Boulevard, I got run over by a piano. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> that was Bagby. He got his piano from Madman Wurlitzer. <laughs> now, Dennis, I got to get this program started, so you better sing your song right now. I'm not going to sing until you pay off for my being on your television show. I can't do that until next week. Jack, why can't you give him the money now? Oh, he isn't going to pay me money. Mr. Benny said if I went on his television show, he'd do something for me that's a great honor. A great honor? Yeah, he's going to write in my name for president in the California primary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for heaven's sakes. Imagine writing Dennis's name for president. If I'm elected, I'm going to declare war on Johnny Ray. <laughs> Now sing my campaign song. Just sing the song you're supposed to. If you're a sweetheart, Sunshine or my grief, be anything but darling, be mine. Be a wise one, be a fool, treat me tender or treat me cruel. Be anything but darling, be mine. Climb to the top of the ladder, be princess of all you survey. Hell, and it still doesn't matter. If you love me, everything is okay. Be the angel of my friend. 
the devil who can't be anything but Sunk by Dennis Day, a very Hey, good you! Uh-huh. I don't want you to do any announcing on this show. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Hey, Mr. Wilson, I ain't gonna do no introduction. Why, give me my toast so I can go home. You haven't done anything. I'm not going to pay you. Oh, yes, you are, Don. You got yourself into this. Now pay him and get him out of here. Oh, all right. How much do I owe you? A buck and a quarter. <laughs> okay, here you are. Thanks. So long. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, fellow. Come back here. Yeah. You take a job as an announcer on a coast-to-coast program for a dollar and a quarter? Uh, that's my price, a buck and a quarter. <laughs> Come here a minute. Buck and a quarter for an announcer. Read this, will you? Just try this. Yeah, oh, okay, sure. Uh, the Lucky Strike program starring Chuck Benny with Ray Livingstone, Kalara, Rochester, Thomas Day, and yours truly, Boyd from Kvetch. <laughs> that's... That's your name? Say, that's all right, Mr. Kvetch. Jack, you wouldn't dare. Hey, I can lead a band, too. Now, wait a minute, Kvetch. You ain't leading my band. Phil, you stay out of this. I can also sing tenor. Well, did you hear that, Dennis? Who cares? I'll be in the White House. <laughs> You're not going to be president. Forget it. You stick around, Mr. Kvetch, and I'll talk to you after we do our play. Oh, Jack, are we going to do a play? Yes, Mary. Tonight, we're going to do our version of that great universal international picture, Bend of the River. Oh, Jack, isn't that the picture that starred uh, Jimmy Stewart? That's the one. It's a colorful epic of the days of the covered wagon as civilization moved westward into Oregon. So, Don, set the scene. Okay. In the year 1867, at the end of the Civil War, a covered wagon set forth for the northern tip of Oregon. Its destination was a new settlement. And leading this intrepid group of pioneers was that fearless frontiersman, Buck Benny. Yes, Buck Benny. That's me. Our wagon's cargo was not guns, ammunition, or other implements of war, but food to tide the settlers through the rugged winter. Hey, Buck. What is it, Kate? We've been on the trail since sunup. Don't you think we ought to stop for the night? No, Kate, we got to keep going till we reach the next water hole. It's only about two miles, I reckon. Oh, Buck, let's stop here for the night. I said we're going to keep going. 
Well, can't the horse pull for a while? I'm tired. <laughs> well, all right. Hey, Dobbin, get out of that wagon. <laughs> sure gives you a buck and a quarter's worth. <laughs> Can't we stop here? We got plenty of water. I know, but it's not safe here. This is Indian country. You sure? Of course I'm sure. Look there on the ground. A scalp. That's yours. Pick it up. <laughs> oh. As we continued towards the hills, we saw signs of Indians everywhere. Though we knew we were surrounded by redskins, we made camp and ate our evening meal. We each ate a can of beans, and they would have been easier to digest we'd have had a can opener. <laughs> Suddenly, I heard horses' hoofs. As we listened in the darkness, guns ready for action, the horse came closer. And suddenly, a stranger galloped into our camp. He was about as tall as Jimmy Stewart. And he was slim like Jimmy Stewart. Come to think of it, he smiled like Jimmy Stewart, too. He came up to me and said, Say, excuse me, partner. I've been riding alone for days. I reckon it's all right if I join you into Oregon, ain't it? But he didn't talk like Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> I turned to him and said, What's your name, stranger? Jimmy Stewart. been him, all right. All the Indians applauded. <laughs> I invited Jimmy to join us, and he got off his horse. Well, he didn't exactly get off. He just straightened his legs, and the horse ran out from under <laughs> I introduced him to my wife. Oh, Jimmy. Yes, Buck? I'd like you to meet Kate. Hi, Jimmy. Wow. Kiss me, Kate. What? Come here, baby. <laughs> hey, hold on there. <sighs> Got her dropping scripts. shy, bashful type. Now, that's in pictures. For the kind of dough I'm getting here, I'm letting myself go. <laughs> he was not a buck and a quarter man. Jimmy along with us. He knew the country so well. I welcomed him. Not as a follower, but as a leader. Yeah? I took over. We were loaded with supplies for the settlers. We had a sack of flour. Kate carried that. A case of canned vegetables. 
Buck carried that. And one bag full of milk. The cow was carrying that. (laughs) The only thing we were short of was fresh meat. So one day, Buck and I went hunting. Wait, quiet, Buck. Here, I hear something. Let's take a look. Okay. Hey, say it's a bear. No, no, Jimmy. It's a buffalo. I thought it was a bear. But I took, I took his word for it. It was a buffalo. I couldn't argue with a man who's been pinching nickels all his life. <laughs> I'll get him. Darn it, I ran into the woods. Hey, wait a minute, Jimmy. We'll soon have meat. Well, what do you see? Quiet now. I'm taking aim at a raccoon. Now, don't shoot. It might be Kefauver. <laughs> oh, yes. Come on, let's get on with the hunt. Finally, we returned to the camp with plenty of game. This was due to our wonderful hunting dog. This dog wasn't a pointer. He was too well-mannered to point. (laughs) He'd just nudge you and say, over there, stupid. (laughs) We weren't in camp very long when all of a sudden... Indian! Hey, they're attacking! Come on, let's see if we can plot them all. That's no use. We might as well give up. I ain't a-giving up. My name is Buck Benny, and I ain't afraid of man, beast, or grasshopper. (laughs) But I know these Indians. Look, two of them are coming up to powwow with us. They sure look savage. How, Indians? Oh, what tribe you Indians from? Sioux tribe. Me, Big Chief Thunderstorm. Oh. And who you? Me, Little White Cloud that cried. <laughs> what? Having faith in all kinds of weather. <laughs> we bound for Oregon. My name, Buck Benny. Uh, let me speak to him, Buck. I talk their language. Listen, you Indians. Ugh. Koala Monga, Shoshone Tabits, Iroquois Ook, Palebo TP. Baja Nagula Munga, Diga Muga Muga, Ugh Nagula Iroquois Tanahouse Wigwam, Magohu Shoshone Unga Saganoa Talena, Sagamore Squaw Tomic Kichigumi, Oigan Nuga Magohu. What did he say? He's running for president. Now, Chief, we're not looking for trouble. We want peace. Only way you can have them peace is make you join tribe. You mean make us Indians? Yeah. We decided to be adopted by the tribe. And that night, after adoption ceremonies, we sat around the campfire with the other Indians. And sang songs. Like the Selnamo, Navajo, Kiki Poo, like the Cherokee, I'm an Indian too. Just like Battle Axe, Jesse Block, Manny Sacks, like those Indians, I'm an Indian too. A Sioux, a Sioux, 
Come Indian Summer's Day, here's what we'll do. Take some Indian May for riding typical canoe. I'll wear Marcus uh, a wampum belt feather pants. We'll go to prove you don't know your song. then we knew we were in California. <laughs> Happily, we continued northward. Yep. Well, well, we'll soon reach the end of the trip. Then we can have Look, all... someone's approaching on horseback. All right, now be careful. Get your guns. Don't waste ammunition. Don't shoot till you see the whites of his eyes. Whoa! Whoa, teetotaler. <laughs> Hi, all strangers. I'm Curly Hair. No wonder we didn't see the whites of his eyes. <laughs> Wait a minute, stranger. What can we do for you? I want to buy your food. I'm working with a bunch of miners. Gold miners? Yep. And we struck it rich. We got tons of gold. But we need food to cash through the winter. Our food ain't for sale. It's for the settlers in Oregon. But I'll pay you well. I'll give you ten times what you paid for it. And in gold. He's offering us gold, Jimmy. Gold. Let's sell. Now, Buck, think what you're doing. With the gold, you'll starve to death. But with the food, you'll live. Live to see another spring with its flowers and soft breezes and balmy air scented with orange blossoms. Now, wouldn't you rather have all that than to die with the gold? waited two weeks while Buck thought it over. <laughs> I made up my mind, Jimmy. We're going to sell the food. And I say we're not. Who's going to stop me? Me and my shooting iron. Well, I've got a gun, too. Draw. <laughs> oh. I hated to do it, Buck, but it was the only way. Oh, that's all right, Jimmy. And I'll forgive you before I die. Oh, and I'll wait a minute, partner. Don't say die. Huh? We cowboys never die. 
we just go on to the big corral up yonder and gather around the heavenly campfire where the chuck wagons always fill, where the deer and the antelope play. <laughs> and the wagon wheels sing a happy song and the little dogies wander around among the purple sage. And there ain't no last roundup because the cowboys... Get through already. This won't sound good on the Amos and Andy show. <laughs> Goodbye, Jimmy. Goodbye, everybody. So, Buck passed on. But I know that even though he's not with us, he's happier now than he ever was before because we buried him in the gold mine. <laughs> so the wagon train pushed onwards. Ever onwards we pushed till we reached the settlement in Oregon at the bend of the river. Jack, we'll be back in just a moment, but first. Do you do da do da do da do you do da do da Be happy, go lucky, get better taste today. Friends, you can tear and compare and see with your own eyes how luckies are made better to taste better. From a newly opened pack, take a cigarette made by any other manufacturer. Carefully tear a thin strip of paper straight down the seam from end to end and gently remove the tobacco. In tearing, be sure not to loosen or dig into the tobacco. Now, do exactly the same with a lucky strike. Then compare. You'll see some cigarettes are so loosely packed they fall apart. Others have excessive air spaces, hot spots that burn harsh and dry. But you won't find that in a lucky. Just look at that perfect cylinder of fine, mild tobacco, so round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Notice those long strands of fresh, clean, good-tasting tobacco that smokes smooth and even, that gives you a milder, better-tasting cigarette. Yes, friends, tear and compare. Prove to yourself that luckies are made better to taste better. Then make your next carton, Lucky Strike. Do you do that to daddy? Be happy, go lucky, go lucky, strike today. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank Jimmy Stewart for being on my program tonight. And be sure to hear him tomorrow night on the Lux Radio Theater when he will do No Highway in the Sky. Good night, folks. Jack Benny program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. Jack Benny came to you transcribed. This is the CBS Radio Network. Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, and first in television, presents the Bill Harris Alice Faye Show. For your enjoyment, here is the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, Walter Scharf and his music, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Today, Phil is given an order by his boss, Mr. Scott. It is the kind of an order that cannot be ignored. In fact, absolutely no one could find a loophole in it, except Frankie. 
More about this in a moment. First, a word from RCA Victor. You're really set for television pleasure when you choose an RCA Victor superset. For performance, quality, and value, RCA Victor television is superior in every sense of the word. Yet now, you can buy a superset at wonderful low prices. Yes, you can buy the Selfridge Ensemble, for example, for only $379.50. The 21-inch Selfridge Ensemble with a handsome matching consulate base is the latest thing in television furniture. It comes complete, and you get clearer pictures, stronger pictures, steadier pictures. You get television with picture power, all for only $379.50. And this price is complete, including federal excise tax, full-year warranty on the 21-inch picture tube, and no extra charge for mahogany finishes. So buy the magnificent Selfridge Ensemble. And when you do, ask about a factory service contract. When you buy RCA Victor Television with RCA Factory Service, you get television's greatest combination. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Faye and Bill Harris. Bill and Alice's sponsor, Mr. Scott, has called a special meeting of the company board of directors to discuss their advertising budget. As we look in, the meeting has just started. Uh, gentlemen, I hereby call to order this board meeting of the directors of board RCA meeting, Victor. Board meeting, board meeting. I, uh, I know you are all proud to be associated with RCA Victor. <laughs> As you all know, our company is one of the largest of its kind in the world. And RCA... RCA, is... RCA, RCA, 21 inch picture. <laughs> RCA. Mr. Jellison. Yes, Mr. Scott? Every time I mention the name of our great company, you mutter something under your breath. Why, little man? <laughs> if it's such a great company, how come I'm a vice president and I only get $18 a week? <laughs> That's just an honorary title. You are hired just to pose for our trademark. Well, someday I'm going to quit. Then you'll have to get a real dog to sit in front of that picture. <laughs> uh, Jellison, you're being paid exactly what you're worth. Have you ever done anything to help further the company? Oh, yes. Yes, I do a lot of research work at home. In fact, last night I made the famous television test. What television test? Well... I took five... <laughs> I repeat, I took five... <laughs> five of the most popular brands of television sets and placed them next to each other. Then I peeled the sides off each one and ours was the only one that held together. <laughs> Jellison, that test is used on cigarettes. All I know is it worked on television sets. <laughs> <clears throat> Gentlemen, as you know, our advertising budget is very high, and we must cut expenses on one of our shows. We sponsor Ezio Pinza, Dennis Day, Phil Harris, and Kukla Fran and Ollie. And it's up to you, gentlemen, to decide which one will be cut and who's going to break the news to Phil Harris. <laughs> We're 
going to fire Phil Harris? Uh, no, we're merely going to dispense with his band. I asked Mr. and Mrs. Harris to come down. They're waiting outside, so let's call them in and tell them the news. Mr. Paley, let them in. <laughs> and, uh, Jellison, I'll do the talking, so keep your flabby little mouth shut. Big Sean, just because he's got two swimming pools, this guy thinks he's... Oh, hiya, Mr. Scott. Good morning, Mr. Scott. Good morning, Mr. and Mrs. Harris. Allow me to present my board of directors. Hmm. Nice and bombing job. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like my violin section. What do you want to see me about, Mr. Scott? Uh, Harris, I'll get right to the point. The company has a problem, and, uh, well, we need your help. Well, if the company needs help, you've come to the right man. Just tell me how much you need, and I'll have Alice make out the check. <laughs> oh, Phil, don't be silly. RCA doesn't need my money, do you, gentlemen? Oh, of course not, Miss Say. Our company is in much better shape than you are, financially. <laughs> The other way, you have it all over it. <laughs> Jellison. <clears throat> Harris, I hate to have to tell you this, but your program has too many high-priced elements, and in order to save money, you'll have to tell the boys in your band they're fired. You want me to tell... Oh, boss, somebody's been tampering with your antenna. <laughs> you just don't tell musicians things like that. Why not? Well, they're moody. You never know what they'll do. They'll able to fire me before I can fire them. <laughs> How can they fire you? They'll pour a can of gasoline over me and light a match. <laughs> oh, now, Harris, this is something you have to do. And don't worry, we'll protect you. We'll wet you down before you go. <laughs> oh, but, Mr. Scott, we can't do our show without the orchestra. After all, Phil and I sing, and we need background accompaniment. Well, I figured that out. While you sing, Mr. Harris can hum, and vice versa. <laughs> I ain't a hummer. <laughs> well, Harris, I, I hate to do this. I know your boys have been with you 16 years, and I, I feel distressed about firing them. Mr. Scott, do you realize that if I let the band go... Frankie will no longer be on the show? Oh, you're just saying that to make me feel better. <laughs> well, Mr. Scott, what's Frankie going to do? How's he going to make a living? Oh, he can always go back to his old job. Oh, no, honey, he can't. His wind isn't as good for that anymore. <laughs> what was he, a foam blower in a brewery? <laughs> Remley had a very responsible job. He was a breather in a lobster plant. <laughs> a breather? Yes. When the green lobsters crawled by, he'd breathe on them and turn them red. <laughs> you know, if you were talking about anybody else but Remley, I wouldn't believe that story. <laughs> now, Harris, stop stalling. Your band has to go. Now, when are you going to tell them? Well... Well, we're having a rehearsal in a half an hour, and I might as well tell them then and get it over with. And make sure you do. I'll come down to rehearsal later, and if you haven't fired them, I will. All right, Mr. Scott, all right. Come on, Alice. Oh, gee. Honey, I hate to go down to that rehearsal and tell the boys they're through after 16 years. 
I wonder how they're going to take it. I wonder how we're going to be able to sing without an orchestra. I don't know, but we'd better find out right now. So on the way down, I'll sing, and you hum for me. <laughs> Possibilities, possibilities We're living in a world that's full of possibilities Ain't no miracle too impossible For anyone who sees the possibilities If you recall your history Then you will find that all its famous men Turned out to be the kind of men Who never stopped to look behind they looked ahead to see what they could see And they saw possibilities, possibilities They never overlooked a single possibility Proven naturally, opportunity Is for the one who sees the possibilities Each time you try to solve a new phenomenon The skeptics say it's just a dream, I know But after you're a hero and the job is done then you can tell them all, I told you so Yes, there are possibilities, possibilities If you will only make the most of your facilities Folks will idolize, even eulogize The little guy that sees the possibilities When Christopher Columbus proved the world was round He called Queen Isabel on his return she said, now tell me, Chris, about this place you found. He said, well, Bell, as far as I'm concerned, it's sure got possibilities, possibilities. I tell you, Queen, I've never seen such possibilities. And I really feel we should make a deal before somebody sees its possibilities. When little Abe was growing up in Illinois, to be a big success was his intent. He studied so much harder than the other boys. Till one day he became our president He saw the possibilities, possibilities He never overlooked a single possibility Proven naturally, opportunity Is for the one who sees its possibilities I guess by now there ain't no doubt About the point I'm bringing out So if you'll open up your eyes You are bound to recognize the possibilities possibilities we're living in a world that's full of possibilities ain't no miracle too impossible for anyone that sees the possibilities Fellas, this is a rehearsal. Quiet down. Let's have a little less noise. Come on, you guys. Quiet down. Quiet! James in the park. I had to go pick on a policewoman. <laughs> Fellow musicians, this is a big day in the lives of all of us, for today marks the 16th year that we've been associated with our beloved maestro, that talented man who is the leader of our band. Three cheers for Spade Cooley. <laughs> I'm not talking about Spade Cooley. Artie, don't you know who you're working for? Give me a hint. <laughs> All right. Whose name appears on your check every week? Oh, yeah. Three cheers for the California Bank. <laughs> Look, I'm talking about Phil Harris. 
the matter with you guys? You don't even know who your leader is, and yet last week, you all contributed money to buy him a present for our 16 years together. What kind of a present did you buy him? A beautiful gold watch. I got it right here in this box. Gold, huh? Let's see it, Remley. Pass it around. I can't pass it around. Why not? As soon as anyone touches it, it turns green. <laughs> now, look, fellas, Curly don't know anything about this, so when he comes in, I'm gonna make a presentation speech that'll be the great... Hey, hello, Frankie. Hi, you fellas. Good morning, boys. Uh, Curly? On behalf of the boys, we have something... Frankie, uh, I have something to say to you and the boys. I don't like to say this, but... After 16 years of being together, it's the cheapest, most awful thing that anybody can do. Well, you saw the watch, huh? <laughs> don't you like it? I don't know what you're talking about. Look, Remley, I got bad news for the boys in the band. Curly, the boys in the band bought you a present, and we... What bad news? Well, it's my unpleasant duty to tell them that... What present? <laughs> well, boys chipped in and bought you... First, let's have the bad news. <laughs> that can wait. Let me see the present. In a minute. It's in this box. But first, I have to make a speech. <clears throat> Gentlemen... We are gathered here on this auspicious occasion to make a presentation. Thank Let you. Let go of the box. I ain't finished yet. <laughs> Gentlemen, our leader was born in 1800... <laughs> <laughs> of poor but honest parents. His early childhood was spent in a ramshackle wigwam. <laughs> But this Cherokee savage overcame his... <laughs> and by sheer character and personality, lifted himself to the heights of obscurity. <laughs> At the age of eight, he went to New Orleans, which reminds me of a very funny story. It seems there were two old maids. <laughs> they were going down... Dorothy. Never mind the story, Jessel. Give me the present. <laughs> Okay, Curling We take great pleasure In presenting you With this beautiful Hand-engraved Solid watch <laughs> oh, Gee Thanks, fellas I... Wait a minute Remley, didn't you leave a word out Between solid and watch? What word? You should have said gold Well, I should and I would But I can't Because it ain't <laughs> to see it. Neither can I. Hey, this is a beautiful thing. Yeah, a friend of mine's a jeweler. He made it for me. Tells the time, the day, the month, and the year. Yeah, it's got everything on it. The hands are certainly... Hey, Remmer. What's my... I don't want to complain, but there seems to be something wrong with this watch. What's wrong? Well, according to this watch, the time is now 20 after 13. <laughs> 
So it's five minutes past. It's only a quarter after five. <laughs> I don't believe I ever saw a watch with 13 hours on it. Jeweler threw in an extra hour as a bonus. <laughs> I had a choice of that or a baseball bat. And see how beautifully he engraved the numerals. All of them. Look. One, two, three, four, five, five, six. Wait, wait. <laughs> two fives? Yeah. Makes the cocktail hour last longer. <laughs> With this watch, you can drink for an hour, and when you're finished, you're just getting started. <laughs> Remley, that's the most ridiculous thing. Hey, can I trade in the six and seven for two more fives? Huh? I don't hear the watch ticking. Are there any works in it? Oh, of course there are. It's not ticking because it hasn't been wound. Oh. Curly, wind it up. Here's the crank. <laughs> All right, I'll crank it, and you pull out the choke. Don't be sarcastic. Just wind it up. Okay, I'm winding it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Runs good, don't it? Yeah, who's the jockey? <laughs> you haven't heard anything yet. It's got chimes, too. Wait till I set it. Uh, it's almost two o'clock. There. Now listen, Curly, in a couple of seconds you'll hear the beautiful chimes. Yeah, that should be cute. Now, shh, Curly, it's two o'clock. <laughs> Pretty, ain't they? How do you tune this thing with your guitar? <laughs> Probably, I don't like to keep knocking this present, but if it's struck five times... How do you figure it's only two o'clock? It's easy. What's the big hand pointing to? Six. What's the little hand pointing to? Three. Six and three are how much? Nine. How many days in the week? Seven. Seven from nine is how much? Two. That's it, it's two o'clock. <laughs> Trouble with you is you don't know how to tell time. <laughs> well, aren't you gonna put it on? How you do that? Just strap it on your wrist Seems too easy for a watch like this I'll give it a go Hey, you know, Remley, this watch does look pretty on my wrist I like the gold with a little touch of green here That seems to be spreading all over the watch as I look at it What's this thing made of, penicillin mold? Please it's solid gold with a chlorophyll base. <laughs> At least I'll have a watch that won't smell. <laughs> Frankie, I really appreciate this gift, and, well, I want to take this opportunity to thank you and the boys for this watch. I'll think nothing of it. I don't, but I want to thank you anyway. <laughs> Remley, come over here. I got something to tell you, and, well, I don't want the guys in the band to hear it. Yeah? What is it, Curly? Look, Remley, I want to ask you something. Mm-hmm. If, if you were to lose your job, what would you do to make a living? Well, I'd run for president like everybody else is doing. Be <laughs> <laughs> serious. I mean, if you were to lose your job with this band, what would you do? 
I'd get a job with another band playing the guitar. Run for president, kid. You got a better chance. <laughs> Charlie, what are you trying to tell me? Well, if I were to fire you, what would you do? I'd kill you. <laughs> I believe you would <laughs> Look, Remley, I'm sorry to tell you this But the sponsor ordered me to fire the band Fire the band? What kind of a heel are you? Firing a generous group of loyal men Who pooled all their money and went out And bought you a beautiful $3 watch <laughs> You just don't have any appreciation But I do, Frankie I realize that the $3 was a big sacrifice to the boys a whole month's wine money. Phil, it was a nice gesture on that Alice, honey, I know it was a nice gesture. I don't want to fire him, but if I don't, Scotty will when he comes down later. After all these years, he can't take your band off the air. The Phil Harris band belongs. It's an institution. I agree, Mr. Remley. You agree with what? The Phil Harris band belongs in an institution. <laughs> what are you doing here, Julius? I was just passing by. Well, keep passing, passing, keep passing. We're busy. Hey, Rem, hmm. we got to think of some way to keep Scotty from firing my band. You mean the sponsor wants to fire your band, Mr. Harris? How can he ever suggest getting rid of such a wonderful aggregation of accomplished... Uh, accomplished... Uh, what's that word again? Musicians. No, that ain't it. <laughs> Will you beat it, you little fink? That's the word! <laughs> Just ignore him. Look, maybe we can play on Mr. Scott's sympathy. Sympathy? Hey, that might work. Yeah, he did say that he felt bad about doing this. Good, then I got an idea. If he thought the bad news affected the boys in the band And they did away with themselves That's it, that's it If Scotty walked in and saw 26 musicians lying dead on the floor <laughs> He might feel a little sorry <laughs> No, Curly, 26 bodies is a little overdone If we just had 13 corpses stretched out It would be more believable It'd be neater, too <laughs> Record some of these conversations for posterity Will you keep out of this? Now, look, Curly We'll just pretend that half the guys in the band Shot themselves And when Scotty sees it, he'll be stunned I don't think he will Why not? He's used to seeing the guys in your band half shot <laughs> Will you get out of here, you little potato Potato peeler <laughs> It's the watch throwing me off. Now, look, the trouble with you guys is you got no finesse. You do everything with a heavy hand. Yeah, then how would you do it? i just have one guy commit suicide. Picture the impact of this. Mr. Scott comes down to the studio, opens the door, and there before his horrified eyes, lying in a pool of blood, is Mr. Harris. Well, you got the wrong boy, Junior. I ain't gonna be found laying in my blood. Get somebody else's blood. How about Mr. Remley? That I like. <laughs> his blood ain't very red. It looks like a weak Manhattan, but... <laughs> 
but maybe the sponsor Now, wait would... a minute. You ain't using a pool of my blood. Remley, not a deep pool. Just enough to go wading in. <laughs> we don't have to have anybody lying on the floor. There's a very simple way of making Scotty think somebody did away with himself. How? Well, when Scotty comes in... I'll be in the other room. You tell him I took the news very hard and I'm liable to commit suicide. Yeah? When I hear you say that, I'll fire a gun. Julius will say, what was that? Alice will say, it sounded like a shot. You say, oh no, Remley just killed himself. How does that sound? A little plotty, ain't it? <laughs> Seems I've heard that on Helen Trent, girl frogman. <laughs> Good idea, and if we stage it right, it'll work. All we have to... Hey, fellas, fellas, Mr. Scott's coming. Oh, he's well, coming. Well, good. All right, look. I'll take the sound effects gun, and I'll go in the other room. Now, don't forget, when I hear you say, Remley's liable to commit suicide, you I'll should. fire a gun. Yeah. Julius will say, what was that? Alice will say, it sounded like a shot. You'll say, oh, no, Remley just killed himself. Bye. <laughs> there goes an amazing talent. His brain is always clicking. You should click, too, if you had billiard balls in your head. <laughs> I don't care what you say, Remley's scheme might work. At least it's worth a well, try. Hello there, Harris. Have you told your musicians they're fired yet? Yes. Yes, I have, Mr. Scott. And it's really affected them, especially Remley. Oh, and how did old knucklehead take it? <laughs> well, I wouldn't jest, Mr. Scott, because it's very serious. When I told Remley, well, he didn't say a word. He just grabbed a gun and went into the other room. And, and I hate to say this, but... Remley is liable to commit suicide. What was that? It sounded like a shot. Oh, no. Remley just killed him. <laughs> How did that go again? Well, I said, uh, Remley's liable to commit suicide. Julia said, what was that? Alice said, it sounded like a shot. And I said, Remley just killed himself. And then there was... <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> Let's run through this scene once more. Huh? As I was saying, Mr. Scott, Remley is liable to commit suicide. It sounded like a shot. Oh, no, Remley just killed himself. What was that? You heard me. <laughs> I said, Remley just killed himself. What was that? Wait a minute, that's my line! It sounded like a shot! That's my line! Let's get organized! Scotty, you keep out of there! Now, where was I? Oh, yeah, as I was saying, Remley's liable to commit suicide! Remley, stop patting your part. Uh, Miss Faye, what's going on here? Oh, nothing much. It's just Frankie committing suicide. That's right, Mr. Scott. He shot himself in the head. Five times? <laughs> That's impossible. Not with Remley. He's got a self-sealing skull. <laughs> How can you people jest when Frankie lies there with all them new holes in his head? <laughs> Poor lad lying all there. Right, the... All right, all right, all right. You can stop it now. Ooh, do I have lousy actors on my show. 
<laughs> Remley, you can come out now. Well, Mr. Scott, we, we had to put this act on to try to save the boys in the band from getting fired. Well, your histrionics are entirely unnecessary. We decided to keep your band. Oh, you did? Oh, that's wonderful. What made you change your mind, Scotty? My wife. She insisted that the band... Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. The most important reason for choosing an RCA Victor superset is this. You get the best performance possible. You get clearer pictures in the city, stronger pictures in the country, steadier pictures in even the most difficult reception areas. And here's why. Every RCA Victor superset brings you television with picture power, the result of a revolutionary new circuit system and an electronic supercharger. This built-in reserve of power is the reason why they're in a class by themselves, for performance. And now, these high standards of performance are matched with wonderful low prices. Yes, prices on RCA Victor supersets start as low as $229.95. And they're complete, including federal excise tax, full year warranty on the picture tube, and no extra charge for mahogany finishes. So buy an RCA Victor superset. Get the television that's setting tomorrow's quality standards. Next, Theater Guild on the Air presents The Sea Wolf on NBC. Now, for today's episode, Ann Sheridan's on because Jack and Ann are currently filming, um, at this point in time, filming uh, George Washington's Slept Here, which is one of Jack's uh, better movies that I enjoy watching from time to time, and it's often on cable. So uh, you might want to check that out at some point. It's very similar to The Egg and I, which we had Jack do a spoof of here a few weeks ago. And the common thread to both of those movies is Percy Kilbride, who uh, Jack found acting in uh, George Washington slept here and took Percy Kilbride said he would do it as long as Percy Kilbride um, would come along and do the movie because Percy was doing it on stage and uh, they said okay and so they brought Percy Kilbride out and that's probably why we, why we had multiple appearances of Percy Kilbride here in the last month or so on the Jack Benny show and now of course we have Ann Sheridan and they will talk specifically about filming the movie and what's going on and that sort of thing. Um, I like these uh, film-related Jack Benny episodes. Um, they're kind of similar to the 1950s TV-related episodes when they're talking about him filming a TV show and who's in it and that sort of thing. Um, they, they play on that same vein and then have fun with Jack's whole overblown personality and being kind of a braggart about... Um, being in the movie and thinking he's more romantic than he is and all of that kind of stuff. Anyway, I think you'll really enjoy this episode and enjoy and we'll see you next time. This is Jack Benny, that gray-haired carrier pigeon talking. <laughs> Uncle Sam has clipped an important message on my ankle and I'm going to give it to you right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to win this war. And we'll win it a lot sooner if we all line up solidly behind our armed forces and keep them supplied with all the tanks and planes and guns and ships they need to do this tremendous job. And we can do that by buying war savings bonds. 
we must put aside one out of every $10 we make, 10% of our income, and buy war savings bonds. That's our quota, and let's meet it with the same determination that our boys are meeting the enemy. Buy those bonds and buy them right now. Thank you. The Jell-O program, presented by Jell-O and Jell-O Pudding, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens the program with Jump for Joy. When you take a package of Jell-O off the pantry shelf these days and make up a grand Jell-O dessert... You can count on something extra delicious. Yes, extra delicious, extra rich, more flavorful and more enjoyable. Because today, Jell-O's flavor is locked in. Locked right into the tiny Jell-O particles by Jell-O's new and exclusive process. This process protects Jell-O's tempting goodness, makes it even more of a delight. Never was Jell-O more enticing, more attractive looking than it is today. And thanks to Jell-O's new process that locks in the flavor, Jell-O now tastes better than ever. It's a new high in tangy, zestful flavor. Flavor as refreshing as the juicy ripe fruit itself. But let your very next package of Jell-O prove it. Open the package. Notice that there's no telltale aroma. No sign of escaping fragrance and flavor. Then dissolve the Jell-O, and lo and behold, out will come Jell-O's captive goodness in a perfect flood of rich flavor. Get Jell-O tomorrow, friends, and see if you don't agree that Jell-O's locked-in flavor really is extra delicious. That was Jump for Joy, played by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as you all know, Jack Benny has started work on his new picture with Ann Sheridan. So tonight, we would like to show you what happened when the whole gang paid Jack a visit at Warner Brothers Studio yesterday. Jack told us to come over to his dressing room about 9 a.m. and said that he'd take us over. My mama done told me, son... A woman will sweet talk and give you the big eye. But when the sweet talking's done... Now, where where did I put that script? A woman's a two-faced, a worrisome thing to leave you to sing the blues in the night. Now, where's that script? I have to learn my scene with Ann Sheridan. It's very important. From Natchez to Mobile, from Memphis to St. Joe. St. Joe. They love me there. <laughs> oh, oh, here it is. Wherever the four winds... Rochester, I'm sorry to interrupt your sunrise serenade, but if you don't mind, I wish you'd help me rehearse my lines for today. Here's your part. Uh, you be Miss Sheridan. Oh, boss. <laughs> I just want you to read her lines so I can learn mine. Now, this is the sequence where I propose. It's a very tender love scene. Now, let's get going. Well, as a rule, I don't get romantic until about dusk. <laughs> now, quit stalling. You're going to be Ann Sheridan, and I'm going to propose to you. Okay, get down on your knees, and let's go. Don't have to get down on my knees. That's old-fashioned. Now, start here on page 23. 
You're Connie, and I'm Bill. Yes, sir. I speak first. So you're seated in the patio wearing a white organdy gown, and you're sipping a lemonade. Lemonade? Yes. <laughs> and you're in a very gay mood. Can't you make that a Tom Collins lemonade depressing? <laughs> Rochester, I'm not interested in your reaction to liquid. Now, pay attention. Now, Bill enters through the French doors. That's me. <clears throat> Connie. Connie, I've come back. Come back to ask you a question that means more to me than life itself. What is it, my sweet? <laughs> Connie, Connie, will you marry me? But, boss, this is so sudden. That's Bill. <laughs> That's Bill, this is so sudden. Now, read your next line. Okay. <clears throat> you look tired, Bill. Won't you sit down? <laughs> Thank you. Well, Connie, I'm waiting for your answer. The answer that will fill my heart with joy. A girl shouldn't rush into these things, Bill. First, I'll have to ask Mater and Pater. Who are they? That's your mother and father in Latin. You see, you're a, a society girl. Oh! 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 <laughs> now, let's continue. Connie. <laughs> Connie, please say yes and make me the happiest man in the world. Yes, Bill, I'll marry you. Connie. My very own. Bill, embarrass me. That's embrace me. <laughs> the word is embrace. Oh, Connie, you've made me the happiest. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. What's Rochester doing on your lap? Huh? It's quite all right, Miss Livingston. He just asked me to marry him. All right, Rochester, I think I know the scene. You can start getting my clothes ready. Yes, Bill. I'm boss now. Well, Mary, how do you like this dressing room? It's all right, isn't it? It sure is swanky. How'd you ever get such a gorgeous layout? Well, uh, well, it isn't mine, exactly. What? As soon as Mr. Errol Flynn is over his cold, out we go. You mean this is Errol Flynn's dressing room? I don't care whose it is. I'm not going to dress in the boiler room anymore. I don't blame you. That steam hissing must remind you of an audience. Not that. It's too hot down there. <laughs> Say, Jack, remember that awful dressing room you had at Paramount? Paramount? They hate me there. <laughs> I'll never forget that dump they gave me to dress in. Every time I'd walk in the door, a loose board would smack me right in the face. It was going out that bothered me. <laughs> me too, come to think of it. Come in. Oh, it's my makeup man. Hello, Gordon. Hello, Mr. Benny. Are we ready for our daily tussle with Father Time? <laughs> Just 
just make me up and don't get smart. Okay. Now, where did I put my trowel? You don't have to fill in every wrinkle. Just put a little powder on me. Now, get going. See who's on the phone, Rochester. Yes, sir. Hello? Who? It's a Miss Hayden calling for Mr. Flynn, boss. A girl, eh? Oh, oh I'll, I'll take it. Oh, Jack, for heaven's sake. Quiet, Mary. Flynn knows some pretty nice girls. Hello. Yes? Yes, Miss Hayden? <laughs> no. No, this is not Errol Flynn. Not even a reasonable facsimile. Mary. You see, Errol's in bed with a cold. A cold. But... But... But, Miss Hayden, if, uh, if you're not doing anything tonight, uh, how, about, uh, how about dining with me? And, uh, and, uh... And pay half the check. And pay half the check. Mary! <laughs> now, look, Miss Hayden. Hello? Hello? Hello, Miss Hayden? Hello? Darn you, Mary, she hung up. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on, Gordon, let's get going. Make me look beautiful. You're kidding, of course. <laughs> I am not. Do a good job. Mary, the next time I'm talking on the phone and you interrupt me, you're going to get right out of this studio. Now, believe me, I'm... Gordon, Gordon, for heaven's sake. What's the matter now? Don't put so much makeup on my chin. Yesterday, you buried my dimple. I did? Yes. Everybody was asking for it. <laughs> now, be careful. Say, Jack, why don't you have them darken your hair? No, Mary, I like those gray streaks running through it. It makes me look mature. You can't mean Victor. <laughs> Mary, leave me alone, will you? Say, Gordon, I'd appreciate it if you take that eyebrow pencil out of my ear. There's a table to lay it on. Say, Jack. What? Where did Rochester get that beautiful watch? Where? Well, I'll be darned. Oh, Rochester! Yes, boy! What are you doing with Mr. Flynn's wristwatch? I'm modeling it! Take that off! Look, just because we're using Errol Flynn's dressing room, we don't have to Well, take... look who's here. Oh, hello, boys. Hello, Jack. Hello, hello Mary. How are you? Hiya, Jackson. Say, fellas, I've been waiting for you. Did you have any trouble getting in the gate? No, we just put a little Vaseline on Wilson and squeezed him through. <laughs> Never a straight line with that Harris. <laughs> oh, you're as sharp as a doorknob. Hey, uh, Jack, are you really going to work with Ann Sheridan today? <laughs> What was that, Don? I say, are you really going to work with Ann Sheridan today? I sure am, Don. We're going to do our big love scene where I propose to her. Oh, boy, Ann Sheridan. Do you kiss her, Mr. Benny? Well, of course, Dennis. Gosh, right after you kiss her, can I kiss you? <laughs> Definitely not. 
No use waiting. I've got to have a talk with that kid. <laughs> uh, see who that is, Rochester. Hello? Who? It's a Miss Wilkins, boss, calling Mr. Flynn. I'll take it. I'll take oh, it. Oh, Jack. Quiet. Hello? <laughs> yes? Well, I'm sorry, Miss Wilkins. Mr. Flynn is home with a cold. But... Well, I'll be glad to take you to dinner. I'm a pal of his. You'll have to guess. No. 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 No, it's Jack Benny. Hello? 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 Hello, Miss Wilkins? Hello? Hello? Darn that operator. She cut us off. And, and just as I was doing so good. You and Hitler. Well, I was. See, that girl had a beautiful voice. Ready for you on the set, Mr. Benny. Okay, come on, kids. We're all going over to stage seven. So long, Rochester. So long. Oh, say, boss, what'll I do if any more of Mr. Flynn's girlfriends call up? I have the calls transferred to me on stage seven. Okay. <laughs> You're going to get hooked for a meal yet? <laughs> the idea, exactly. See you later. Which way do we go, Jack? Uh, down the street to our right. Stick close, Dennis. Gee, I hope I don't faint when I meet Aunt Sheridan. Why should you faint? Well, I saw her on King's Row, and she was so beautiful, I toppled right out of my seat. You did? It was all right, though. I told my girl it was indigestion. <laughs> well, that was quick thinking. To our left here, fellas. To our left, right here. Here's the stage, right over there. Well, hello there. Hello, Jack. How are things going? Fine, fine. Good. Good. How, How do you like, like working with Ann Sheridan? Oh, swell, swell. Glad to hear it. So long, Jack. So long. Say, Jack, who are those fellas? The Warner Brothers. <laughs> Everybody, let's go inside. And listen, I don't want any giggling or wisecracks while I'm emoting. It throws me. Now, remember that, fellas. Fellas, ah, pretty big stage, isn't it? Just a minute there. Have you got passes? <laughs> well, you uh... gotta have passes, you know. Coming to regulations. <laughs> well, uh, this isn't uh, one of my. I mean, this isn't a regular tour. These people are guests of mine. This way, fellas. I don't make the rules, you oh, know. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Well, come on, kids. Jack, who's that tall fellow over there biting his nails? Where? Oh, that's Mr. William Keeley, my director. 
She's just a bundle of nerves. Pretty jittery, huh? You said it. I have yet to see a director of yours that they didn't have to carry out screaming. <laughs> well, it's not all my fault. Miss Sheridan muffs plenty of lines, too. Say, Jackson, you sure they ain't a part in this picture for me? For you? What could you do, Phil? Well, you're doing a scene today where you propose to Ann Sheridan, ain't you? That's right, I do propose to her. But where do you come in? Well, just as she says no, I ought to crawl out from under the Davenport. <laughs> She's going to say yes. That's the way it's written. Uh-oh, jiggers, fellas. Uh, here comes the director. Well, hello, Mr. Keeley. Oh, hello, Jack. Paying us a little visit? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm in the picture. So absent-minded. <laughs> Say, I've got a surprise for you, Mr. Keeley. I know my lines today. Good. Then I can send this baseball bat back to the prop room. <laughs> oh, by all means, you won't have to use force today. <laughs> Uh, by the way, Mr. Keeley, I'd like you to meet a few friends of mine. Now, Jack, I warned you time and again about bringing sightseeing tours through the studio. Oh, this isn't one of my... I mean, this isn't a tour today, <laughs> Mr. Keeley. This is my radio gang. Oh, I'm glad to know you all. How, How are you doing, Keeley? Nice to see you. Well, I'm raring to go, Mr. Keeley. Shall we get started? Yes, in a minute. And incidentally, Jack, when we shoot the scene today, I wish you wouldn't stare right into the camera. Uh, what? In every shot, you seem to be looking for a seat in the audience. <laughs> oh. Oh, well, I'll, uh, I'll watch it. Please do. I'll see you all later. So long. Right, 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 right. Now, this was stage seven, folks. We will now proceed to stage eight, where I will show... Whoops. <laughs> Pardon me, I'm so nervous. I got a little confused there. Now, where's Ann? I want you to meet her. Well, Jack, isn't that Miss Sheridan standing over there by the camera? Oh, yes, yes, that's Ann. Excuse me, fellas, I'm going over and break the ice. Ice around Sheridan? Oh, Jackson, no. <laughs> I'll be back in a minute. Hmm. I'll look in the camera if I want to. Never saw a director yet that wasn't jealous of me. Well, well, well. Good morning, Ann. Oh, hello, Jack. Well, Ann, you're certainly looking marvelous this morning. Thanks, Jack. You're looking, too. <laughs> you, uh, you left out a word there, but it's, it's all right. <laughs> Gee, you're the, you're the cutest thing. Jack, will you please stop pinching my cheeks? It's too early in the morning for coochie-coo. <laughs> Pardon me, I always do that, don't I? Oh, say, Ann, did you get to the uh, bunch of violets I left in your dressing room this morning? Yes, Jack, they were lovely. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. Huh? But you mustn't do that anymore. You've been sending flowers to me every day. Oh, well, it's only a gesture, really. It's not as if there were anything serious between us. Hey, Ann? Hmm? Jack, will you please stop running your hands through my hair? Well, can I help it? <laughs> I'm only human. 
Oh, by the way, Ann, would you mind meeting some people? It's that little group standing over there, you know? No, I'd be glad to. Hmm. Business is pretty bad today, isn't it, Jack? <laughs> oh, these aren't tourists, Ann. They're the members of my Jell-O show. Come on, I'll introduce you. <laughs> and you thought those violets meant that I was stuck on you or something. <laughs> Silly girl. Jack, don't skip. Let's just walk. <laughs> oh, I'm as frisky as a lamb today. I don't know. Well, fellas, here she is. And this is Don Wilson, our announcer. Hello, Don. Oh, this is a pleasure, Miss Sheridan. And this is Phil Harris, our band leader. Glad to meet you, Miss Sheridan. Well, hello, Phil. I've seen you so often, I feel I almost know you. Oh, down at the Biltmore Bowl, huh? No, at Maisie's Beauty Parlor. <laughs> Look at him blush. Now, Ann, uh, Ann, this is Dennis Day, our young tenor. Hello, Miss Sheridan. This is the happiest moment of my life, by golly. <laughs> Well, you've met her, Dennis. Are you thrilled? Please, don't talk to me for a minute. <laughs> I didn't know the kid was so emotional. Uh, pardon me, Ann. I'm Mary Livingston. Jack's too stupid to introduce me first. I'm not stupid. I just forgot. Well, I'm happy to know you, Mary. I've enjoyed you on all the programs. Thanks. By the way, how's Jack been behaving? Oh, he's been sending me violets and pinching my cheeks and skipping all over the place. I know the whole routine. <laughs> Mary. But believe me, Ann, he's harmless. Oh, yeah? <laughs> harmless, eh? Who chased Hetty Lamar all around the swimming pool at the Beverly Wilshire? Me. Sure you chased her. She had your bathing cap. <laughs> Well, they're tough to get now. Oh, say, fellas, here comes my cameraman, Ernie Haller. Hello, Ernie! Ah! <laughs> hmm, what a crew. Oh, and Jack... We're ready for the scene now. Okay, Mr. Keeley. Quiet, everybody. Quiet on the set. <laughs> Gee, those Warner Brothers are always on the job. <laughs> nice of them to help out like that. Now, Jack, this is the scene where you and Ann have been married one month, and you've just had your first quarrel. Married? But, Mr. Keeley, I learned the proposal scene. I don't know this other scene at all. Oh, for Pete's sake. Well, here's another day shot to... Mr. Keeley! <laughs> Please. And don't worry, I'll get the scene. After all, I'm an ad-lib comedian. Then why don't you answer Fred Allen once in a while? <laughs> because in order to answer him, I'd have to listen to his program. And he's not going to suck me in that way. <laughs> he's so smart. Well, he was smart enough to put a finish on your play last week. Well, I'm glad he did, because we didn't have one. <laughs> now, come on, are we making a picture around here or not? Sometimes I wonder. Oh. Now, here's the idea of the scene. You and Anne have quarreled for the first time. She's begging you to forgive her, but you remain adamant. Okay. I what? <laughs> adamant. You're cold and unresponsive. Oh, 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 adamant, adamant. Hmm. Now, let's run over it. Quiet for rehearsals, please. <laughs> 
Quiet! Quiet for rehearsal! Hmm. Those Warner brothers, they're so conscientious. <laughs> now, the scene is after dinner in your living room. And you're trying to make up with Jack, but he's reading the evening paper and ignoring you. Ignoring Ann? Okay, I'll try. All right, let's go. <laughs> Ann, you have the first speech. Yes, Mr. Keeley. Oh, Bill. Bill, why must you be so stubborn? Is a silly little quarrel going to ruin our happiness and tear down all that we've struggled for? It's not fair, Bill. It's not fair. Poof. <laughs> Speak to me, Bill, and I want the truth. Don't you love me anymore? No, Connie. I'm afraid this is the end. Oh, my Aunt Molly. <laughs> Jack, Jack, put some feeling into the line. You're mad at the girl. Mad at Anne? Now read your line again, Anne. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> All right. Speak to me, Bill, and I want to know the truth. Don't you love me anymore? No, Connie. I'm afraid this is the end. I got a way or I'll let you have it. <laughs> Bad. What in heaven's name was that? Well, didn't I... Didn't I do it right, Mr. Keeley? Oh, if I only had a little chicken farm in Ventura. <laughs> well, for Pete's sake, what's wrong now? Jack, you're not a gangster. You're the girl's husband. You just had a little quarrel, that's all. Oh! Okay, okay, let go of my necktie. Please. All right, Ann, continue with the scene, please. Mm, for a bunch of violets, I have to go through this. <laughs> Sorry, Ann. Let's go on. Bill, I know this quarrel has been all my fault, and I'm terribly sorry. Let's kiss and make up. No, Connie. It is too late. It's not too late, Bill. It's not too late. Please, dear, take me in your arms. And let the ashes of our love burst into flame once more. Ooh, what she said. <laughs> Dennis. All right, Collie. I forgive you. Kiss me, my love. Kiss me. Jack, you're not supposed to kiss her. I know what I'm doing. Connie, kiss me. Jack, Jack, stick to the script. The heck with the script. Anne, I mean Connie. I love you. Kiss me. To me. Holy smoke, she fainted. <laughs> fainted, eh? Ha, ha, ha. Now let Fred Allen finish this. <laughs> Wait. Springtime, friends, is salad time. And what better way to celebrate the season than with a crisp vegetable salad made with tart, tangy lemon jello? It's as simple as can be to make. All you do is just dissolve a package of lemon jello in one pint of hot water. Next, add one tablespoon of vinegar and a dash of salt and chill until slightly thickened. Then fold in one cup each of diced cucumbers, sliced radishes, and sliced young onions. Mold and serve on lettuce. 
And believe me, there's a perfect salad. A delightful combination of cool, crisp vegetables nestling in a shimmering mold of golden lemon jello. Don't miss trying it soon. Get several packages of lemon jello tomorrow. And when you do, be sure to ask for genuine jello because jello's locked in flavor is extra rich. The last number of the 31st program in the current Jell-O series, and we will be with you again next Sunday night broadcasting for the boys at Mather Field. Uh, thank you, Mr. Keeley and Miss Sheridan, for appearing with us tonight. Oh, say, Ann, I think it's only fair to let the folks in on a secret. You really didn't faint when I kissed you. No, but you nearly did. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I did at that. Good night, folks. <laughs> program is written by Bill Maher and Ed Beline and is broadcast each week by shortwave to our armed forces throughout the world.